letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 4 through 27. There are different spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. And there are different ministries and the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. A demonstration of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. A word of wisdom is given by the spirit to one person. A word of knowledge to another according to the same spirit. Faith to still another by the same spirit. Gifts of healing to another in the one spirit. Performance of miracles to another. Prophecy to another. The ability to tell spirits apart to another. Different kinds of tongues to another. And the interpretation of the tongues to another. All these things are produced by the one and same spirit who gives what he wants to each person. Christ is just like the human body. A body is a unit and has many parts, and all the parts of the body are one body, even though there are many. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, and we all were given one spirit to drink. Certainly, the body isn't one part, but many. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, does that mean it's not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, what would happen to the hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, what would happen to the sense of smell? But as it is, God has placed each one of the parts in the body just like he wanted. If all were one in the same body part, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts but one body. So the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body that people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones we honor the most. The private parts of our body that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. The parts of our body that are presentable don't need this. But God has put the body together, giving giving greater honor to the parts with less honor so that there won't be any division in the body and so the parts may have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. May the living word of God speak to us through these ancient words of scripture. For our whole stewardship campaign over these past few weeks, we have focused not just on community, but we have focused on how we, the people of FCC, can create intentional community for our community of faith, but also for the vision of God's unity in the world. 
How can this church, we've asked that question, how can this church be intentional about bringing people together around Jesus? And so on the first week, we marked our community as one that comes together, one that gathers, that we gather in times of tragedy and in times of joy and of every feeling in between. And that the gathering is more than just being together. It's more than just sitting together. It is marked and sealed and blessed by God because it becomes the embodiment of God, the body of Christ in its new form. And that we are called together of God so that we can be healers and visionaries and proclaimers of another and a new way that life doesn't have to be empty, but that instead we work together for a greater common good for the good of the vision of God for this world that longs to be whole. Then in week two, last week, we had the call of our community as lifting up the invisible. Through the parable of the Good Samaritan, we discovered that our community's call is to rise up around those who can't always rise up for themselves. That we speak up in the silence for those whose voices are drowned out or surrounding the ones that we might otherwise pass by as blissfully ignorant of the challenges that they might face. So that we can then be the embodied presence of God here as we gather and the embodied presence of God as we look beyond ourselves and reach into the community around us to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Well, I realized that this week as I was preparing for week three, our final week, that we have focused a lot on the outside world lately, that we have justifiably so focused on the big problems that are threatening us in very real ways. And yet, in the midst of that, there are still individual challenges, there are individual problems that each of us faces on a daily basis that we are dealing with every single day and that we cannot lose ourselves in the vastness of this world, even though it might threaten to overtake us. And so we have to ensure in some way that we are tending to our own individual ups and downs while focusing on the world at the same time. We have to manage our own challenges and celebrate and lift up the gifts that we as individuals bring to our community, both this community and to the community around us. And this isn't unlike the Corinthian church. <clears throat> the church at Corinth was established by the Apostle Paul around 51 CE. So we're talking about 20 years or so after the death and resurrection of Christ. Now Corinth was a commercial city. It's located, it's still there, it's located on a narrow strip of land between the Greek mainland and what's known as the Peloponnese Peninsula. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that. It was a major trading port at the time because of this location, because it linked the Eastern Mediterranean to, the, to Italy and to Rome. And it had been destroyed about 200 or so years before in 146 BCE during a revolt against Rome. But 100 years later, in 44, Julius Caesar had reestablished the city as a major Roman colony in Greece. So what does all of this mean? It means that it's more actually Roman than it is Greek when Paul arrived in terms of its culture, in terms of its social class, its size, its location, its commercial activities made it one of Rome, the Roman city's most important places outside of Italy itself. Now the Corinth church, the church there that Paul established reflected the cosmopolitan nature of this city. It was diverse, both socially and economically, but it was fraught with fighting. And it's not certainly an example of unity or of community. You see, Paul had 
established the church and then went away, and he received some visitors from that church when he was in Ephesus, establishing the church of the Ephesians. And they relayed to him the many problems that this church was having in Corinth. And so he wrote a letter. He wrote a letter back to them saying what he thought about all these problems he's hearing about, to remind them of who and whose they are, to remind them about what brings them together rather than about what divides them. And so he weighed in also on some of the problems that they were arguing over. So this letter, which is where our passage comes from, it happens within this larger context, both of the church and of the world around it. And what we learn from this passage is that the Corinthians were clearly struggling with a hierarchy. And it centers on spiritual gifts, the, which ones are more important or better than the others. Now, according to the text, Paul says that there was a higher emphasis placed on ecstatic speech, which is like speaking in tongues. It was seen as the most important spiritual gift. It was ranked above prophecy, above wisdom, above any other spiritual gift that could have been given. And it's probably because the pagan practices at the time were common in that kind of ecstatic speech. So the church was reflecting the world around it in what it valued. I don't think it's a very far stretch for us to, to think that uh, we aren't very different, that there's an external influence here, that there's society lifts up, the society around us lifts up the, the strong, the intellectual, the athlete, the leader. These are the things that the world values. And there's always that danger that that can come into our community. Sometimes those definitions spill over into the church. It's what happened at Corinth, and it has a danger of happening anywhere that a community gathers. And the problem is that the result is a division, a division in the body of Christ because of this sense of superior status of some. Well, Paul argues that one gift is no more valuable than any other. You'll hear in that Jesus' assertion that the last shall be first, the first shall be last, that in the body of Christ, no one part or gift is more important than another. We heard a lot in that passage about body language, about uh, sort of this use of the body as a metaphor. And it had a certain meaning in the Roman world, which we now know is the influence of Corinth. It's actually sort of a reappropriation of a common Roman metaphor. You see, in every uh, member in the Roman metaphor, every member had a place, and they knew that place. And so those at the bottom of the hierarchy were urged to simply carry out their task, no matter how menial, for the greater good of the empire. And so Paul now takes that metaphor and flips it on its head, so to speak, and says that in contrast to the empire, within the body of Christ, no one is more important. No part of the body is more important than another. All are equal in the eyes of God. He says Jews and Greeks, slaves and free in other passages. He says male and female. It is a radical statement of equality that reverses entirely the rhetoric of the Roman world. Now this approach flipped the understanding of how we live together as members of Christ's church. Unity in diversity. Diversity within unity. Because all are equal, there is unity. And because all bring something different, there is diversity. And I think that this only adds to the beauty of the body of Christ. It doesn't place one member higher or lower than another. 
Now, the way that Paul addresses this is through what we translate as spiritual gifts. But it's actually probably not a great translation because gifts sounds like something that is within us, innate within us. It is the most common for to talk about as that translation, but it sounds like we've been gifted something and emphasizes that there's a sense of a relationship between the giver and the receiver. Well, spiritual gifts come from God, but it sets up the problem that why do some get certain spiritual gifts and others don't? Why do some get so many and others get just a few? So instead, I actually think that Paul is considering, is calling us to consider these gifts as expressions or manifestations of God. That spiritual gifts are the way that God expresses God's self through us. It's not something that we possess, but rather a gift is something that God is doing through us. Which means that these gifts they're not about us. It's about what God is seeking to add to the community through us. That our presence and our gift provides a certain something to the community. And so it moves the emphasis from what I bring to how God wants to work through me. Using the gifts becomes the way that God works in our community through us as individuals. And so therefore, we don't boast about a gift. It was given by another. It was given by God and intended, therefore, for the benefit of the whole community. It's less about sharing what I have and what I possess, but rather more about living into the call living into the call that God envisions for my participation within the community. And I think this translates so easily to our experience in our community. Each of us has particular gifts or abilities that we offer as we live in community with the others of this particular body of Christ. And instead of seeing something as more beneficial than another, we can consider every big or little way that one of us supports or impacts the community as valuable from the eldest to the youngest. Some are very visible, some are done entirely behind the scenes and no one even knows about it. But that is what makes the body of Christ so beautiful, that together, each of our gifts and expressions of God, we create this beautiful community in which we value, in which we lift up every single contribution that someone makes as an expression of God because God is working through each of us in our own way to create the community that God envisions and places each of us here in order to create that community. So the question then becomes not, what has God given you as a gift to give back, but rather, what is God seeking to add to this community through you? What is the gift that God has gifted to you that can be added to the community? It speaks of the intentionality of creating community. It speaks of God's intentionality. How God brings each of us here to be a part of this. Each of us is invited into this place with something that God seeks to add through us. So what is that for you? What brings you life? What ignites your passion for the community and the vision of God? That is the thing that God is doing through you for this community. Now, I think that it could be just seen as one more thing. Thank you, God. I've got something else on my plate now that I need to do. Thank you for that gift. Could be a burden. Could be seen as exhausting. 
But instead, I encourage you to think of it as re-gifting. <laughs> that terrible practice that we're not really supposed to do where someone gives us something, we don't really want it, so we give it away to somebody else. Instead, think about it as something that God has given us that we are now re-gifting to the community. We're passing it along to others. We're taking something that we've been offered and given and bestowed within us and passing it along to someone else. Because when we're doing this, instead of relying on our own abilities, we find passion and we find life and we find this zest for the, the life of God when we're living into our call and passing along the gifts that God has placed within us to express God's self. That can overwhelm the exhaustion because it can reignite our soul for the work of God. The moment that it doesn't, we'll know that it is time to rediscover how God is now calling us, what gift God has now placed within our heart to share with this community. You see, we become a revelation within the community that we seek to build. Each of us is a revelation of God. And God is our guide in figuring out what that is. And that in turn ignites the passion in the world around us. <clears throat> to discover the spark that God has gifted for us to then re-gift to others. We can inspire that in the world for others to find the same. And we do this as a community. Friends, we do this together. Each one of us is chosen and called by God in our own special way to discover the way that God envisions expressing God's self through us. What a privilege that is that God would choose us to be the expression of God in this community and in the world. Each of us, one no less important than the other, each lifted up for the gifts that they bring. Because those gifts are God among us. And together we create the body of Christ and we partner to the work of God through this community, through FCC, to the glory of God's name and to the creation of the community that God envisions for us as individuals, for us as a church family, and for our worlds.